Welcome to the Trailbreaker Podcast. I'm Aaron Feinberg. In this podcast, I explore what it takes to be a trailbreaker. Through intimate conversations with people carving new paths across the landscape of business, art, and sport, we dig in on how to excel across seemingly disparate endeavors. What drives people who manage to succeed multidimensionally? Is it how they think? Is it meticulous planning and follow through? Or is it some measure of delusional optimism? My guest today is Kelly Jones, founder and CEO of No So Patches, a former therapist and accountant, and a lifelong eclectic adventurer. We talked about the importance of designing from a place of circularity, why sustainability is good for business, and how change happens faster when you're having fun. Good morning, Kelly Jones, and thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Good morning, Aaron. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm stoked to be here. Well, longtime friend, it is so great to have you on the show so we can talk about the amazing company you run, No So Patches. And it started in your Jackson garage seven years ago, and now it's a much bigger affair seven years later. And so kick us off with what is a No So Patch? A no-sew patch, well, first, no-sew means no sewing. So it's a really easy-to-use repair patch, repair or flare patch, made out of fabric. And all you have to do is crack and peel the release liner and stick it on just like a sticker, and then heat it up a little bit with a hair dryer, a conventional dryer, or the sunshine, and that'll set the patch permanently, and you can get back out to your adventures. Fantastic. As a user of the product, they work really well and it keeps my feathers or my synthetic fluff from flying about the world and my coats can stay in play much longer. But that patch you just showed too is kind of a jazzy one. And so they're not just for repair, they're also for flair, you said. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so you can express your individuality. Um, We like to say add flair or repair, and you can just patch dazzle anything. You can patch, (laughs) you can decorate your backpack, your roller skates, your sleeping bag, your puffy jacket. And yeah, you don't have to have a a snag. If you have like an old jacket that you're like, ew, that's like drabby. I, (laughs) I wanna zhuzh it up. You can just get one of our Dazit sheets. Here's our Dazit sheet. I feel like Vanna White right now. Um, and you can just decorate whatever you want. Lunch boxes, um, yeah, puffy jackets, anything. I mean, dazzle, Dazit, Jujit, <laughs> Patch Dazzle. I mean, what other phrases get thrown around the no-so ecosystem? And we have a lot of them. We have a lot of fun over here in Patchland. That's one of them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, we have patch dazzle it, daz it. Um, we have the eco hang tag. We say patch the planet a lot. Um, yeah, puffy patch. I don't know what else. <laughs> they'll, they'll sneak out. I, they'll sneak I, I think out, yeah. through the course of I, our discussion. I do uh-huh. say oftentimes I'm like, oh, it's a sticky business, you know. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of puns and yeah. Yes, patching the planet is sticky business for sure. Yes. Uh, so how did this idea first come to pass for you? Like when did the impetus for this product just show up in your head? 
Well, I was hunting in the back country and I tore my Patagonia Fitzroy on barbed wire and I didn't want to repair another piece of gear with duct tape because everyone in mountain towns, they repair their gear with, you know, scotch tape, electrical tape, tape, gorilla tape. And I didn't like the way that looked. I wanted something more fashionable and unique, just like me. Um, <laughs> so I couldn't find anything on the market. And instead, I started to uh, mess around with adhesives and fabrics in my garage. And then I came up with a really good combo that stuck better than anything on the market. So, And you mentioned to me offline, too, that in addition to the tapes out there not really working very well, initially, they also don't hold up too well when you actually wash your gear, if you wash your gear. Exactly. Yeah, we are up to about 150 wash dry cycles. So, and we've tested those against all of the competitors in the market and ours are the best. And our, we had this lab in North Carolina and the scientist down there, he's like, Kelly, do you want me to keep going with these washes and dries? And I was like, no, you can stop there. I think we're good enough because who washes their gear that much, you know? Or at all. Mine is pretty <laughs> disgusting. Uh, exactly. <laughs> it just gets freshened, freshened up when I go outside. From one dirt bag to another. I, yeah, I feel that. You're with me. Yeah. Um, and I think it's interesting how your background is not in material science. You might be maybe known as an expert at this point from all the work you've done, but you started from a much different place. So what were you doing before creating NOSA? Before NOSA, I was a therapist and then I was an accountant. So I've got a lot of tricks up these sleeves. <laughs> and what kind of <laughs> what kind of therapy and who were you working with? Um, so I was a recreational therapist in pediatric oncology units and long-term care. So I work with kids with special needs and adults, you know, with physical rehab um, and physical rehab. So I was doing like aquatic therapy and dance therapy and um, art therapy, all the fun stuff. I even did like laughter therapy with the state of Wyoming. I, I was um, recruited to do this really big leadership thing years ago and did some laughter therapy um, with the state state leaders. And then I was hustling all these different contracts in town. So I worked at the counseling center and the Teton County School District here. And it just got really tough because my services weren't billable by Medicaid and Medicare. So I started to work as an admin in this accounting office and eventually just worked my way up to the lead accountant. And I was doing... Um, accounting for like biotechnology all the way to production accounting. So I learned a lot about business. And I so that was a private family office that I worked for. And then I worked in public accounting for a couple of years. And then yeah, so I'm pretty good with numbers. I figured that out because I like puzzles. <laughs> and, and that's a good skill if you're going to go into business. Oh, yeah, um, it's really good. Now I know how to read financial statements and do cash flow projections, all the fun stuff. And so when NOSA started, it was just you? It was just me. And then I had an, an alias, Donna. So it was just me and Donna. That was really just me. Um, but <laughs> I pretended like there was another person here. Um, and I just, you know, go back and forth. Let me ask Kelly. Let me ask Donna. And it was always, you know, me. But <laughs> Fooled you. Fooled you. And, you know, I was running my accounting practice at the same time. So that was like a lot to juggle. But um yeah, it was kind of like a side hustle in the beginning. And then about four or five years in, it started to become major. Um, and yeah. 
And how many folks on the team right now? 24. Ooh, and uh, how many are in Jackson proper and then remote or full-time, part-time? What's the spread? There's about 11 in Jackson and then the other people are dispersed. So, yeah. Amazing. And um, I think it's interesting, right? So you start this in your garage. You've got a few uh, um, imaginary employees. Yeah. And then... <laughs> You know, you're doing the side hustle on the side, so doing all the gritty things that the the literal growing a business in a in a garage, like the sort of cliche around startups says. And um, you know, you're scrappy. You're you got your hands in lots of things to sort of do all the work and all the jobs. And then, you know, you start off into these traditional outdoor spaces like outdoor retailer. And then you jumped, and I think this was an interesting thing, you know, to hear you tell me about offline was getting into the shot show, which is a different. Um, conference or, or trade show. So tell us a little bit about that, uh, kind of what it was like to jump into that, what it is, what it was like to jump in, and then what sort of spun off because of it. Yeah, no. So we went to Outdoor Retailer for a few years before we started going to SHOT Show. We launched an outdoor specialty just because that was what, I mean, I'm a, I am rip it up. I'm a dirt biker. I hike. I mountain bike. Um, so I like to play hard. So those are that was an easy market to enter into, but I also hunt. So I was like, let's go see what this show is all about. And I wrote a grant. Um, the state of Wyoming provides these economic um, trade show incentive grants. So it's like economic, economic development for the state of Wyoming. And I, I, um, I guess won one of those, or they granted one of those. And we went down to shot show and it was pretty awesome. I mean, they, the people at that show are military guys and Boy Scouts, so they earn patches, pins, and badges. So we brought a lot of our camouflage patterns and fish and, you know, just kind of more, you know, hardcore, I guess. Um, we have, like, thicker, we have this thicker, like, duffel bag fabric that we use. And so we brought some of that, like, Kadora fabric. And these guys just like loved what we were doing um, and they got it right away. So they, and they're re like, they're ripping it up hardcore too. So, you know, they were using our patches as reinforcement as well as repair. So if they got like an abrasion on something, they just like cover the knee or cover the elbow. And so that was fun to see, but yeah, I loved, I love shot show. I've had a lot of fun at shot. And I can imagine you stand out, at least for sure, back in the original days, uh, you know, being who you are and arriving there, new product, new new presence. What was the initial reaction? It was like, I mean, I think all the guys, I mean, it's like, you know, everyone says male-dominated industry, but I think like every industry is male-dominated, so I don't really don't buy into that. Um, I have pink hair, so it's just like, I think all the guys are like, oh, what's that lady over there with pink hair doing? And... um I get like my mom and I went to my first shot, you know, she would like bring me coffee and tea and whatever throughout the day, just to make sure I was all, always stoked, um, had good energy, but, um, I, I had, I was meeting like green berets and, you know, Navy seal. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I had a lot of fun. I would do like these push up contests to see who, who was the strongest. Um, so <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, you've got the outdoor, traditional outdoor space. You've got the the hunting. What would you call it? The hook and bullet? Hook and bullet. Yeah, they call it the hook and bullet or cast and blast. I've heard both, but yeah, hook and awesome. bullet. And so you've got so you got that 
that part of the outdoor space. You've got the traditional sort of skiers and bikers and hikers and et cetera. And then you've got, you know, sort of the traditional looking patches, right? Uh, and actually I have some on my coat here. I'll show too. Um, and then some of the more artistic ones. And so, um, you know, I will say having uh, not received any financial, uh, compensation for my, uh, uh, testimonial here you know this is my old longhorn right that's been on this this patagonia coat for gosh however long that's an og that's an original one that's an og right there that's seven years old i like that yeah i think this coat's even older but i I don't know i'll have to see um and so this is about as fancy as as i get no one would call me fashion forward uh or uh anything related to stylistic in any way um but then you also have sort of these uh, for us simple guys, uh, some of these just really basic, you know, pieces of fabric that sort of just stick on here and cover some holes. That looks like uh, a patch dazzle kit. Yeah. You can like cut it up into how many ever shapes. Yeah. And pack- oh, that's, that yes. yeah, the patch dazzle kit. Yeah. That's, I think that's exactly what I did because I think I have a tiny little hole somewhere else on here that I just literally cut off the smallest piece of fabric. It's on here somewhere. Um, and then I've got like this old Noso X on here. Oh, yes. I love that. That looks good. How'd you get those? What's the story there on that jacket? Oh, on the holes? On the holes. <laughs> those holes. <laughs> I probably being clumsy, falling off my bike, uh, walking with my head down and maybe right, right into a tree. <laughs> it's all it's all possible. Um, well, thank but, you yeah. for ripping it up. Keeping oh, up my business over here. <laughs> My pleasure. It, I mean, it's great. It works and it has been conversation starters too. And and I think that's even on these simple ones and we have some, some much more artistic ones we'll look at in a minute, but I just think it, it creates these conversations out in the world. Uh, you know, one hair and you have a piece of blue tape stuck to you and, and, and then it opens up this conversation of how this is actually not a piece of tape. It's a whole, uh, it's a patch covering my hole. And, um, and you know why did I do that? Oh, so I don't have to throw the coat away. And then you know the the Longhorn is like, ooh, where'd I where where'd I where do I get something like that? And so it, it, I think it, in addition to it solving the the problem of keeping my coat in place, um, you know, it does create these really fun conversations, which I think do embody you and in, in the spirit of which you've built this business, which is like like let's do right, let's have fun, let's you know put our originality and flair out into the world. Totally. Yeah. It's like an eco badge of honor. You know, um, every patch has a story. I kind of want to start calling myself a gear therapist and at the next trade show, like have a chase lounge, you know, and people just like lie down and tell me all their, you know, how they got all their snags, rips and tears. Um, because that's kind of what I'm turning into. <laughs> um, and it's, and it's helping, you know, some of these really big, important companies also kind of push their, their game a little further in terms of, you know, supporting the health of the planet, you know, so you've got a lot of big companies and maybe you can speak about a, a, a range of who, who you're working with and it gives them a chance to put their logo on this product. And, um, and also I think you even said that a lot of, co- <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of companies are even including patches with the purchase of the coat, right? Exactly. Yeah. So we're helping a lot of these bigger companies tell their sustainable story. And they're actually designing from a place of circularity more and more, which is great to see. Um, And circular design is like when you're thinking about like the product's um, entire life cycle, you know, like not only like 
from the point of purchase, but then all the way to the end of its life, right? And so NOSO helps extend the life for as long as possible. And I think that's why like a lot of these bigger companies are like, ooh, this is like a no brainer, right? Like why not work with NOSO? Yeah, and I think when we were talking about this podcast and what we might get into, you threw out some interesting stats to me about how much fabric and material goes into just making a coat or a sleeping bag and how keeping these things in play is keeping so much stuff out of the landfill. Yeah, it's hard for us to like account for it because we're sending out, you know, I think to date we've sent out like 2.5 million or 3 million patches, you know, in the lifespan of NOSO. So from day one to, you know, we're in year seven. Because you look at like a backpack that's like two yards of fabric, then you look at a ski kit that's like six yards of fabric or a puffy jacket that's two yards of fabric, a sleeping bag that's eight yards of fabric. So whoever wants to do that math, I mean, I'm good at math, but I don't know what people are using these things for. So, you know, it's hard for us to say we've saved X amount of textile waste from the landfill, right? Like this amount of pounds, you know, so it's, but we know how many patches we ship and that's like a, a big number and I'm really proud of that. Yeah, and I mean, I even just think about, you know, what I used to do with stuff when it would get destroyed and, you know, and this coat is got a ton of life in it, right? It's got a few small little holes in it, but not patching those up would be a problem and, and it would have to probably get, you know, tossed. So, so it's awesome. Um, and then it's also seemingly a pretty good, Ave, excuse me, avenue or angle for artistic folk to get their, uh, their art out in the world too. I mean, I know this, I've got a couple of these that you sent me, which is, uh, you know, Brian yep. Gucci's that's work. Brian right? Gucci. Yes. That's yeah. yeah. I love and, those. And so the ability for you all to partner up with really cool folks with, you know, putting their art out in the world in a new way. So other than Gooch, uh, who else, uh, has got their art on some patches? Yeah, we have a program called the Art Fix program. And so we partner up with a bunch of different artists. Um, we have Brian Aguchi in Jackson. We have um, Catherine Holmes down in Colorado. We have Rachel Pohl up in Bozeman, Montana. Yep. Um, so yeah, we just, it, it depends on like, usually it's like either a friend of a friend or we have a form on our website that sometimes artists will sign up to design for us. Um, and then we give them, a royalty payment on all of their sales. So that's been kind of fun to see that program grow. I think we have like 20 artists now, 20 or 25 artists. So cool. Yeah. And, and the relationships you've built with some of these bigger companies, right? You know, I thought it was really interesting how, you know, folks are coming to you now and you've grown to the point, I think you were saying you, you've doubled or tripled every single year. Is that right? Yeah, we have. It's kind of a magical business over here. <laughs> High fives. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a really special um, time in sustainability. I think, you know, before, when I started the business, a lot of people were like, what, what are you doing? And, you know, I, I just was like, I, I don't know. I'm just like going to repair this in a more beautiful way. Right. Um, I don't want to use tape anymore. But now after everything that we've lived through in the last five years, everyone's you know, waking up to like what we really need to do collectively to help protect the planet for future generations to enjoy. Um, so yeah, we have a ton of different partners that are coming to us. You know, some of the big ones are like the North Face, 
Although I want to say like there's change makers within these organizations that are helping us. And those are the people that like I work with, like my team works with, and we wouldn't be able to make this change without them. And, and like, so the North Face would be Lisa, right? Like Lisa at the North Face, um, Kyle at Burton, uh, Jason at Kuyu, you know, Ryan and Diane at Volcom, Ben at Solomon, Sasha at Patagonia, Estrogen at Moxie Roller Skates, you know, like it's, it's them. It's not really like we're just providing the pathway for change, but they're doing it. So that's pretty rad. Yeah. And, and it's really cool. You know, we have some companies that we both support in different ways, <clears throat> excuse me, but you know, you, you touch on a really important point, right? Like the companies can be all about making change happen and, and be on the right path, you know, sort of philosophically, but it does take those folks inside to those, those change makers, those, um, those champions, those alliances that, that get the work done and get it over the line and get, you know, get these, um, ideas from, you know, the idea stage to actually out in the world. So that's amazing. Those people do deserve a ton of credit. Yes, I know. It's because it, they have to work through all the different channels. I mean, sometimes when we get an email, it'll be like 17 people on an email because there's all these different departments and everyone has to know what's going on, like marketing and, you know, warranty. And so we're trying to navigate all of this collectively with them and give them everything they need. You know, we provide not only a product, but a service, right? So we provide this like white glove experience for all of our customers. We listen to all of their needs. Um, we have like an kind of, because I'm a therapist, I'm like, you know, taking notes on every call, like assessing where they are in their sustainable path, right? Like, and how we can help get them to where they want to go. A lot of active listening, huh? I love you. Yes, a lot of that. <laughs> exactly. From from a school psychologist to a therapist, we speak the same language. Yeah, I think that's like my. I mean, the therapy background has, yeah, um, been something that I've always leaned on. It's you know, it's helped me with sales. It's helped me with marketing. Um, but yeah, listening is the number one thing. I think more humans should listen, right? Amen. Amen. <laughs> uh, and, and how has that been with your company's grown? Uh, you know, you obviously embody the values of, of no, so in such a obvious way. Uh, and you know, you've built a team now of 24, you said, so how have you seen yourself as a leader shift or how have you sort of infused the, the values that you started with to keep them fresh in the company? Well, I'm always looking like I'm always looking for that DIY activist to come and join us on our team. Um, you know, I think leadership is a vibe. I think it's a feeling and, you know, how you make others feel is like what you're going to get. You know, it's a connection. So if people are feeling connected to your brand, they're going to bring their best work and give it their all. And, you know, I'm an athlete, so um, I always like... I, I want to strive forward with my team. You know, I want them to make me better. I want them to make, you know, what them to make me better. I want to make them better. You know, I want, you know, I want it to be like, we're competing. Like we're like going to be the best out there. And sometimes even during a, an interview, I'll say, are you going to be my Scotty Pippen? You know, are you going to be my um, Dennis Rodman? Um, are you going to be a part of our dream team? Cause it is. Super I, feel, I feel like you're Dennis Rodman though. I think I am. I know. And then someone said that on an interview once. They're like, you're Dennis. And I'm like, I guess I am Dennis Rodman. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's very magical in Patchland. See, I even have a magic wand on my desk. 
Um, so we have that one. My daughter, uh, that was a frozen one, right? Yeah, this is Elsa. Yeah, this is yeah. from let it go. But, you know, as the company continues to grow and, you know, we have our mission, vision, values and the culture, you know, we um, we work really hard. We have like, you know, we get shit done. We have a high expectation for each other, all of us on our team. But we also have a lot of fun. We're, I think we're the most fun company out there. Sometimes people will be wearing funny hats on Zoom calls, you know. Um, I had to do all these tutorial videos and I had like me, I'm like, oh my gosh, I had to like explain how to do this task again. So I started putting all these wigs on, you know, and just to make it fun for me. But yeah. Um, and that, that, and that translates to the trade show and the public facing stuff too, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. No, at trade shows, I, you know, I learned about guerrilla marketing and how to like make a real big um, impact when you're going to a show. I mean, these shows are $10,000 to $20,000. So you really want to stand out because I mean, don't waste my, like, don't waste time. Like, yep. so I would have my team, we would dress up as repairies or doctors or. Okay. Hold on one second. Let's not blow past that repairie. Uh, that one merits, I think a little bit of a description. <laughs> oh, oh, we had these wings on <laughs> repairies. Like we had wands and like, we got these like really big extensions, like blue and like teal and pink extensions put on our hair. And um, but yeah, we would just, we had these big wings and our little wands and we just go around the trade show floor and boop people like, oh no, you have a hole. You know, and sometimes we like get into character and be like, oh, let me patch you up. Right. Like <laughs> you have a snag ripper tear. Um, and so whatever. basically you're, you're fairies that repair. Exactly. We're fairies that repair <laughs> and yeah, go like this around the trade show floor. <laughs> So repairies and then uh, push-up contests. Uh, didn't you Doc say there was a yeah. doctor? We did doctors. Yeah, we were all in scrubs one, one year. And we had stethoscopes and like little masks before masks were like a thing, you know. Um, before but they were required. <laughs> before they were required, yeah. Um, but we even like went, we went so far as to like put dry ice in a cooler at the at our booth and like one of um one of our sales gals she like brings in this dry ice in scrubs and she's like i've got a heart on ice i gotta get it to the booth you know like and i'm like oh my gosh but yeah we like to have fun and um you know some of this stuff that we're talking about is so serious right like textile waste so heavy and i don't really like to think about like all the negatives i like to just like be hopeful and like focus on the positives and that's just sort of how I run my business, you know? Yeah. I mean, people get inspired to change when you hit them in the heart and you tell them a story and you get them excited about the fact that hope is possible. We can potentially make something amazing happen. Um, yeah. The doom and gloom doesn't work. No, it doesn't. And I think if you're having the most fun, then that's how you're going to make change. Right. And so we're having the most fun at the trade shows too. And so I think that's why, like that's part of the secret to our success is we were really approachable and I lead with empathy and kindness. And so does all of my, you know, I mean, the whole industry though is like so awesome to be a part of. So, I mean, it's just, it's easy, like as an outsider to the industry, it's like, you know, accountant, therapist, you come into this industry. I think it was, you know, yeah, like, I mean, a couple of people were like, wait, you came up with this, right? Like, and I'm like, well, like you would look around and be like, I don't see anyone else here. Yeah, I did. It's me. <laughs> um, but yeah, they embraced the idea and the concept and 
it's just kind of been fun to see the evolution. I think that's a good point to double down real quick is just that, that idea that, you know, you don't have to be an expert in the thing that you are attracted to and you want to put out in the world. Sure. You've got to go do the hard work and you've got to get up to speed and you can't represent yourself as something you're not and do harm. Uh, but the ability to, to take your disparate skills and have an ID and see it through and, you know, become a, a materials expert over, uh, over the course of seven years, right? You can kind of make anything happen if you are committed. And I think you're a big testimonial to that. Um, and also not lose the, the core values. Um, you know, the thing that, that you are, that, that is that light and that empathy and that excitement and that passion, um, and the uniqueness that you have, right. And, and you know, the, there's lots of traditional business people out there or people who think you need to do it in, in a particular order or way and to be accepted. And you obviously show, uh, very clearly that's not the case. No. Yeah. No. And, and I think I, we've learned a lot from other people too, you know, like all the different, um, people that we've worked with, whether it's the CEO or the product developer or the sustainability managers, you know, we're kind of all in it together and we're all trying to do good together. So that's been kind of fun. You know, sometimes when we get on a big call, like we got on a call about a month ago with this guy from Solomon and he was just so jazzed about everything, you know, and like he was, he just went to some sustainability conference and he was, you know, telling us everything he learned and like, we're taking notes, you know, so it's that like, you know, share economy or whatever it is, like everyone's helping each other just be better. So I love it. That's great. Um, I want to draw a little attention to these, um, these patch, um, the hang tags and the materials, et cetera, and the little messages on here. Can you tell us a little bit about, um, what this packaging looks like and what it's evolving to? Oh yeah. So that one is our eco craft paper. So that is, FSC certified and 100% biodegradable. I think there's some post-consumer waste. It's like 30% post-consumer waste in there. Um, but we're trying to move. This is what we did for Burton. So it's the same craft paper and then FSC certified as well. Mm -hmm. And then this is what we did for the North Face. And so this is a wood pulp acetate window as well as like this Eco 30 paper. I forget what, just like 18 point paper, but we're trying to combine this one with this one. So we could have it look like that. <laughs> um, we're a design forward business. So I really want the patch to show in this like little window, but finding that, you know, film has been really hard for me. I mean, I'm like looking at rice paper and potato paper and squash paper, and this is the newest, uh, wood pulp acetate. So yeah, it's kind of fun, but, um, yeah, we're, we're getting there. I want it. To, I want the product to be so eco-friendly that, you know, you can't go anywhere else. Um, and our products also PFAS free, which is also mm -hmm. cool. So no forever chemicals in our adhesive or our fabrics. And so I'm really uh, proud of that as well. Yeah, and there's this fun little phrase in the top left that we've said a few times on the show already, which is patch the planet. And, you know, there's the literal, you know, keeping things out of the landfill and, you know, having uh, packaging that's completely eco-friendly. But there's also this other concept, right? And I think you talked to me a little bit offline about, um, you know, the kindness and the empathy and, and, the, and the fun and kind of patching and healing the planet that way. So could you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. So I think, you know, as a human, you have to like, as, as I say, like patching the planet, yes, we're repairing gear, like, or, 
zhuzhin it up to make it last longer. But there's also other things you can do, whether it's like, you know, be nice to people in the shopping line or, you know, when you're at the grocery store or hold a door open for somebody or offer, you know, your support if someone, you know, gets in an avalanche. I mean, like that happens in my community. Like, would you like me to make you, you know, like, can I make you food? Like, there's so many different ways to like patch the planet Um, donating to your favorite cause, volunteering, you know, there's just so much you can do to activate, to make the, you know, world a better place. And we let, I'm saying to my, like my people internally be the change you want to see in the world. I am the change I want to see in the world. I want them to be the change that I, you know, like inspire me, right? Like we don't have to look at like these really big leaders for inspiration. We can inspire each other on the daily, you know? And, um, I know you do some leadership development work outside of your own company too, and sort of spreading around knowledge, supporting other um, leaders, a lot of women leaders in business, uh, both um, uh, existing and aspiring. So share a little bit about what you get into when you're not patching the planet literally. I do a lot. Yeah, I, I love I, I love what I like all my volunteer work. So I've done speaking engagements. I've um, I'm on a cup a board here in Jackson called Silicon Coolar, which is really awesome. It's a organization that helps other um, entrepreneurs in the valley um, succeed and win and learn, and that's fun to be a part of. Um, I also helped. Years ago, I met Missy Park. Um, she's the founder of and the CEO of Title IX. And so I met her at a show. And, you know, oftentimes it shows people that are important turn their badges around. And eventually at the last day, like she came over and she's, you know, like, I'm so excited, you know, to meet you and like, and, uh, and what you're doing here is great. And she's like, what do you need? Can I help you? And I was like, yeah, I want to build a community. Like there's, I'm the only female founder paying for trades, trade show space. And I think that's why we got a lot of press in the beginning. Cause I was the only one paying for that booth space. Um, it's really expensive. And I said, yeah, I want to like build a community. Let's try to like, can we do like a pitch fest or, you know, like we were spitballing all these ideas. And then I worked with um, Molly and Alice and Johnny and Missy to launch the first Title IX Pitch Fest. And every year, like, so I think it's like five or six years in, I served on the panel of judges for the first three years and I was a mentor the last or the fourth year. And then the last couple of years, I couldn't do it because NOSO needs me. Um, But I like love, like every year I send like any new entrepreneur that I know, like female founded, I'll say, Hey, you should apply for pitch fest. And so every year there's like two or three people that I've, you know, suggested to like submit their video and, you know, I guess go to Emory, California and be a part of the pitch fest. So, you know, I like to set tables and then I want other women to sit at them. I'm a pioneer and that's just the way I think, you know, I'm an Aries. So I like new beginnings <laughs> and I've got a lot of fire. This girl is on fire. <laughs> so <laughs> um, that's and, my theme and, song. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you're about to light it up next weekend too in Jackson, aren't you? Oh yeah. That's going to be fun. That'll be um, um, Sandy Hessler. She's a friend of mine and she's so dreamy. Um, she is putting on the Teton Leadership Summit. So I'll be a part of that kickoff. There's all these great leaders coming to town 
and yeah, it's 23rd and 24th. And yeah, it's going to be just like a really great um, conference on leadership and how to lead in your community. What are you going to be speaking on? I'm going to be speaking on um, how to go beyond what you think is possible. And not to give too much away on that talk, what nuggets might you pass on to us if we can't make it to the actual event? I mean, I think people should get there, fly, drive, take the bus, get there. Um, but um, any nuggets that are going to, uh, you think the audience would resonate with in terms of what that means for you? Um, well, I think, I mean, for me, it means like, just be a sponge, soak it all up, ask a ton of questions, read a lot, like listen a lot. Um love a lot, think positively, like about everything, you know, you're designing your own personal reality. So um, you've got to like fill yourself up and have fun with it, right? Learn how to juggle, learn how to unicycle, like, I don't know, go beyond, try new things. Um, don't be afraid to fail, fail fast, fail again and again and again, right? Like, and when you fail and you have fun with it, then that's where the magic happens. And like I said before, like at NOSO, it's been all magic. So I think I've taken everything that I've learned to date and I'm like exactly where I'm supposed to be. And yeah, I think I go beyond every day. You know, I'm like, oh, I can't believe this person emailed. You know, you're like, oh, we're going beyond. Like we're going to attack it, right? And have fun with it. Um, Whether it's business, excuse me, whether it's business focused or personal, uh, any little go beyond that you're up to that maybe we wouldn't know about? Oh, my go beyond is, um, so I'm, yeah, Elsa, (laughs) she says, let it go. And so this year, like I'm building this team and I always pick a word of the year, it's team this year. And so I've been hiring a lot this year and letting go of more and more and more. And yeah, it's been fun to delegate and elevate other people. And um, uh, yeah, so just... I guess, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought, but oh, that's okay. I, yeah. I'll pick it up. I mean, but, you know, I can imagine it's got its pluses and its minuses. I think mostly pluses in the sense that it puts you in a position to <clears throat> keep doing your little zone of genius or your couple of zones of genius, but also, you know, the business having gone from the garage to, you know, doubling, tripling every year, right? It's, it just needs more people and it's needs, you know, you have to let go, right? There's no way for you to, you should, and not only you shouldn't do the things you used to do, right? it wouldn't be very good for your, for your business. Um, so I think that's a, that's a perfect go beyond. Totally. Yeah. And I think we all have our own personal ecologies. Like and we have to be mindful of our own energetic, you know, what we give and what we receive. Right. So, um, I'm sort of tuning into that more and I'm like, Whoa, you are you are a giver. <laughs> um, so now I'm just looking for peace, right? Like there's a lot. When you're an entrepreneur, there's so many things like you, know, you got to stay balanced and grounded and all these like things that you hear. But I'm not balanced and I live in the clouds, right? Like I, <laughs> I don't know how to do those things, like stay balanced. I'm like, you know, it's either, you know, I'm just like full force ahead, right? Like, um, And, you know, running a business isn't black and white. I always say it's like black and pink, you know, like you just like, I don't know how you can be so structured. Right. So, um, yeah. And what are you going to do with your free time? If you wind up like letting it all go and you're just out there doing speaking gigs and sitting on panel, 
pitches as a judge. That's what I want to do. I wanted to go to, and I love going to trade shows. I love shows. So I'll just be um, talking to people at shows and then, um, yeah, maybe I'll do some more thought leadership stuff. But, you know, my strengths are with people and that's sort of where I want to be. Amazing. Um, speaking of people, um, more um, specifically, little people. Uh, yes. You know, some of the cool things that that Nosa's got going on with the with the littles in our lives. Uh, obviously, you, you know, kids tear tear stuff up all over the time, whether it's their jeans or their backpacks, um, <clears throat> and so it gives them the ability to get a little crafty and creative um, with their decorations and keep parents uh, from having to go do more shopping. Um, Anything you're doing that's kind of fun and cool with our future generations around um, either inspiring them or pulling them into different projects or, or, or anything else? Oh, yeah. I mean, like NOSO's main demographic is Gen Z and millennial. So it's really easy to like, you know, elevate what they're doing. Like they tag us on Instagram. I mean, those these the, those are the generations that are going to be solving all the problems, right? Like and you know, the world's on fire and we've got this climate stuff going on, you know, like there's a lot that they're like dealing with as young people. And that's like super heavy. So when they see something like no, so, which is like light, right. They're like, Oh my gosh, there is hope. Like there's like, you can just look on our Instagram or any, you know, social media, you know, we're elevating all these young kids work, right. Whether they're an athlete or an activist or, you know, um, whatever they're doing in their communities, if they tag us, we're going to reshare it. Sometimes we'll, you know, pay them to come out for a photo shoot. Um, during COVID, we had all these chicks on a gap year that came out and they like, they ran our social media. Um, they ran all of our photo shoots. So the company is run sort of by Gen Z and millennials. So <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of easy to, um, work with them and elevate what they're doing as well. Amazing. Um, you know, we've covered a ton of ground already. Anything I haven't probed you for or asked you about that you want to make sure gets out into the world about NOSO? Um, let's see. Oh, I do have a fun announcement. You ready for lay it? it? Lay it on us. Smokey bear. <laughs> yes. Smokey has a computer. And Smokey emailed, like, yeah, Smokey Bear emailed, and we will be launching a collection with him in October. So we're really excited about it. Um, it'll be, there's 32 in total. There's like so many patches. Uh, like, we have three designers on staff, and it was so hard for us to, like, <laughs> it took us months to get the final select, but we'll be um, launching 10 of the 32 smoky bear patches in october so stay tuned i'm really excited about smoky smoky bear fantastic. we love you smoky bear. bear fantastic fantastic well kelly i really appreciate you spending some time with us today i wish you all the best in the back half of 2023 good luck in your speaking engagement next weekend thank you and uh yeah keep on dazzling thank you so much i'll see you soon hopefully sounds good have a good rest of your day Okay, you too. Bye, Bye, Aaron. Thank you so much. The Trailbreaker Podcast is created by Aaron Feinberg with production support provided by Michael Mori. More interviews and videos can be found at AaronFeinberg.com.